0: If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
1: And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast.
0: In this episode, we're going to turn our focus to leadership once again. And so I wanted to make sure before we get started to highlight our annual Leading Learning Symposium, which will take place this year on October 24th and 25th in Baltimore. And the symposium is designed for individuals at the director level or higher folks who have strategic and or financial responsibility for their organizations, professional development, continuing education, or lifelong learning business. And if that describes you, we hope you will consider joining us in Baltimore. You can find out all the details by going to symposium.leadinglearning.com. We also want to thank WebCourseworks, makers of CourseStage LMS, for being a sponsor of our Leading Learning webinars, which, as part of that package, makes them a sponsor for this podcast episode. To find out more about our upcoming webinars, you can go to tagoras.com webinars. And to learn more about Web Courseworks, you can go to www.webcourseworks.com. And Jeff, I know you had a chance to speak with Seth Kahn.
1: I did, and Seth has the distinction, as I note in the interview, of being the first person we've interviewed twice on the Leading Learning Podcast. He's actually the first person that I've interviewed three times on podcasts before. Seth is the author of Getting Innovation Right, along with a number of other books. He's also the founder of Association Transformation, which is just a a great initiative in the association sector. and he was part of the faculty at the Leading Learning Symposium this past fall in 2015, will be again at the 2016 Symposium. And I think we just, you know, we we have a lot in common with Seth uh, in terms of how we think about leadership, how we think about learning. He's always an incredibly interesting guy to talk to, to find out what he's up to. And what he is up to right now actually is uh, two new initiatives. Uh, He is basically growing, uh, kind of launching a revamped version of his uh, CEO innovation community. He's been working with association CEOs for quite some time and is now really formalizing that quite a bit more. And he's also launching a new initiative, the Visionary Leadership Academy, which is more for up and coming uh, people, people who aspire to the C-suite in association. So we spent you know, some time talking about why he put those initiatives together, why they're necessary right now. We talked about just kind of the the association sector in in general right now. In fact, you referenced some of what he said at the symposium. We actually have a great video of him talking at the symposium that we'll link to in the show notes, and we picked up on some of that. But, you know, in in general, um, he's just always a great person to to have uh, a discussion with.
0: And I know that one of the things that you and I find very interesting in what he's doing with the CEO innovation community and and the Visionary Leadership Academy is that these – feel to us like examples of boutique learning, which was a concept that we talked about in our uh, year-end uh, trends and predictions webinar um, in, in December of a of- 2015, um, you know, this idea of boutique learning that's very focused, very personal, very high touch. um, And and it sounds to me that that's exactly what Seth is after.
1: Definitely, definitely. He provides, you know, good details about what he's doing. And I think that um, uh, what he is doing is something that organizations that are listening can certainly emulate in, in their own offerings, as well as taking advantage of what Seth is doing with his offerings.
0: So let's go listen to what Seth has to say.
1: There, this is Jeff Cobb, and I am pleased to be joined yet again today by Seth Kahn. Seth, uh, as I think most listeners probably know, is just a, a real leader in the world of innovation, strategy, leadership is doing some amazing work in the uh, association space. And he also has the distinction of being the first person to be interviewed twice on the Leading Learning podcast. So welcome, Seth. Oh, it's great to be back. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, definitely. And, and in fact, uh, you've been on this podcast twice, and I've interviewed you once on another podcast. I think you are officially the first person I've interviewed three times, and uh, okay. I've learned something every time. So, well, so do I. The feelings mutual. <laughs> Well, great. Well, let's. Um, we got a, a lot to dig into today. I know you've got some some new offerings, which is one of the specific reasons that we wanted to talk. Um, we're also thrilled to to know that you're going to be there again as part of the the faculty at the Leading Learning Symposium. You were there in, in the fall, and um, you know I think by all accounts uh, that was a, a great experience. And I know uh, your content there in particular and, and your interactions there were, were very well received. So I'm um, thrilled to have you there again. And I, I thought we'd kick off actually with a, a reference to that. Um, fall symposium we've got a video of one of your content pods up on youtube at this point and we'll be sure to include a a link to that in the show notes here but you're talking about really you know the the landscape right now for uh, associations in, in particular talking about business model innovation and I was struck at the, at the end of that uh, the segment, that content pod that you did, you were talking about kind of the, the rise of the four seasons and, you know, and how the, the founder there sort of saw a real opportunity in the market and was really kind of first to market. And you, and you made the comment to the collected audience there, who are primarily people from trade and professional associations, that we are first to market here um and i think you know talking about that market for lifelong learning and i'd love to get you to expand a little bit on that in the context of of this podcast and and that may help to kind of tee up what we're going to talk about following this as well so first first to market how do you see that well
2: you know when i first got involved with associations it was 2002 and I was working at the World Bank in knowledge management, and we were focusing on building communities of professionals and bringing them together to apply their expertise to really tough problems. And knowledge management was on the rise, and you know, big companies like IBM were involved with us, and they were really trying to crack this nut. Uh, and I really had no exposure to associations in my life prior to that. Mm. And I began working with the Center for Association Leadership with Scott Steen and Susan Sarfati, and I started to learn about trade associations and professional societies and one of my first reactions was wow these people have been doing knowledge management for over a hundred years right you know that's this is where it's happening i mean it's in vogue now but these people have been bringing together uh, communities of people who are trying to apply either trade or professional expertise to make results happen in real life they're educating them they're transferring best practices um, so, what I mean is that the association world was first to market in bringing communities of professionals together, and that can be leveraged for mm-hmm. really, basically industry dominance, but it requires a mindset that says, we're going to stay in the leadership role.
1: Right. Right. And I know you're very concerned with um, helping to cultivate that mindset because you're you're seeing it in other places. You you also talked about in that particular video, you know, what's going on in Silicon Valley and how the, really the culture there around um, innovation, uh, around seizing business opportunities is quite different. Could you expand on that a little bit for listeners here?
2: Sure. And in Silicon Valley, it's remarkable. I mean, while I was out there, I met with executives at Apple, at Pinterest, at Google, at Badgeville, at Yahoo. Um, and even just talking with – I talked with some CEOs of startups and uh, the environment is really about sharing mm. and about uh, exploring immediately how we create synergies. Uh, it's it's – uh, everybody is like ready to just kind of put all their cards on the table and ask the question, how can we do more together than we can do apart? There's this this entrepreneurial, you know, seizing opportunity kind of mindset that permeates everything. And actually, last week, I was at UCLA at the Department of Grand Challenges and at the XPRIZE Foundation in Los Angeles. And the same mindset is there. These are people who want to be ahead of the future they want they want to chart the course forward so you know UCLA is about making Los Angeles sustainable by 2050 and cutting depression in half by 2050 using brain science and the X Prize has mapped out several sectors in society where they're pushing and focusing resources to create a breakthrough so civilization can move forward mindset is what's the frontier and how do we create a breakthrough that sustains change and allows many players to profit from the new space that we open up. And that is a different mindset than I find in most associations in my work.
1: Right, right. And I know – you know, you're you're not just an armchair quarterback here, sitting back and you know making observations. You're you're actually trying to to change things along these lines. And I know you've got you know two initiatives that we wanted to, to talk about um, d- during this episode that are specifically aimed at doing that. And maybe let's start with your your CEO Innovation uh, Community. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna read what you've written about that on your website just briefly. You're saying that my vision is to develop the best tools for association leaders to prepare for the future handle their biggest challenges, seize the most valuable opportunities, and accelerate their leadership development. So a lot in there about um, mindset change, I think. Could you tell us just a little bit about what this CEO innovation community you're putting together is, um, and then maybe talk about what some of those biggest challenges are that you see this, this group facing?
2: Sure. Thanks, Jeff. I'm very excited about this work. I've been working with CEOs in the in the DC area and the association community in and Chicago and, 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 and other cities as well for um, almost 15 years now. And I've got this group of CEOs who truly are innovators. They are investing in innovation. They're spending money, bringing in consultants, building new ideas. And and what I want to do is bring them together. I said building new initiatives. I I want them to be able to cross pollinate and support Mm. each other because there's nothing like a community of your peers to help you accelerate. You cut each other's learning curves, you share what you're excited about, uh, you share the things that bomb so that other people don't have to go through them, uh, and really you get the collective intelligence to be applied to each individual and the the work that they're doing. And so this CEO innovation community is a year-long initiative that CEOs sign up for and they attend up to five sessions in groups and they have an overnight together and they really bond with each other and the bonding takes place in the context of trying to uh, raise the bar on their personal leadership and to get better results that pushes their organization out in front. Um, Some of the the projects that I'm working on with some of these CEOs are extraordinary. Uh, Marlo Weston at the American Nurses Association is spearheading Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation. The ANA is going to be taking on measurably improving the health of America's 3.4 million nurses. This goes way beyond uh, her traditional role as somebody who's serving 175,000 members. She is going to push forward in uh, self-efficacy care in the nurses' space for the benefit of the entire nation, and we're marshalling strategic partnerships that are going to allow us to amplify Marla's work in ways that we just couldn't pay for. Um, We're we're partnering with organizations that are going to be able to put us on television shows where we're going to reach millions of people, build websites that are capable of handling hundreds of thousands of interactions simultaneously and feeding content to people and having um, large uh, organizations that have many stores across the country, thousands of stores who will give us a location, a place to convene for all the nurses. And this comes from having a vision that is so powerful that other organizations, including many in the private sector, are aligned Behind it. Another one, Kevin Keller at the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards is uh, spearheading something called the Center for Financial Planning, which is going to build America's workforce to mirror America's demographics and supply professionals, trained professionals, to the finance industry. Uh, and this is another Herculean initiative. Another one is Chris McEntee at the American Geophysical Union, who has got the Thriving Earth Exchange, and she's going to put a scientist in every community that's wrestling with local problems in the environment to ensure that the solutions that they develop are scientifically sound and that contribute to the planet's health as well as solve the local problem. Those are just three examples of the kinds of things that these CEOs are doing.
1: Well, and, you know, I love that kind of big thinking. I think it, it jives really well with um, just how we think about the whole concept of, of leading learning, which really is just, you know, creating significant change in, in the entire field, industry, sector that you're serving. You know, it's not just about putting butts in a seat in, in a classroom, so to speak. But but I do want to ask, I mean, these are these are big organizations you're talking about. The nurses, uh, you know, I, I know um, Kevin Keller at CFP Board, you know, they've, they've got a, a big footprint um, – is this something that's really just for, you know, big organization CEOs? Do you have to be big as an organization to pull off the kind of, you know, grand challenge type thinking that, that you're thinking about? Or can, can even a somewhat smaller, or you know, organization and, and a leader of that organization be thinking in these terms? Oh,
2: definitely! Smaller organizations can do it. I mean, you can you can even have an organization of one if you want to get down that small. The, the, if you have a bold vision and you have a base that you can leverage, uh, you can find partners and you can really uh, have huge impact. One of the smaller organizations I'm working with is Chris Cook at the National Affordable Housing Management Association, and she's focused on getting employees to be able to live near where they work. Right. Right now, we have restaurant employees, nurses, policemen who are not, who, who have to live far away from the neighborhoods they serve and it creates a disconnect for them. It also adds expense and it makes it more challenging for them to make ends meet financially. And So she's leading an initiative to change that so that these people will be able to live close to the places where they deliver their services. Uh, That's an example of a much smaller organization that's doing something very powerful.
1: Right, right. And, and I noticed you know, when, you, when you describe your vision for the community, you talk about you know, A, accelerating learning and, and, and B, giving people some tools. I, I'm sure a lot of the acceleration really just is in, the, in the, the collaboration, the breaking down of barriers, the sharing of ideas that will occur in this community. Um, but are there, are there other ways that you see learning being accelerated by this? And, and what kind of tools do you, do you have in mind specifically for people who are participating in the innovation community?
2: Well, one of the most powerful tools is one that you have, which is the online forum. Hmm. Uh the online forum allows several things to happen one is it it greatly expands your network um i know that one of the online forums that i participated in in the early days has opened me up to a lot of colleagues that i wouldn't otherwise have met colleagues on the other side of the planet uh it also allows you to communicate asynchronously which means that if you have you know a question or a hot idea you can put it on the forum and then other people can pick it up when they have the time to come to it and yet you have continuity the thread develops there's a conversation and real knowledge Is created. Another thing that an online forum does is that it 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 becomes a pool where uh, these insights are collected. So you might have a conversation with someone today and then a year from now you need some of the resources that were identified in that conversation. It's still there. It's archived and you can go back to it. So having that, like, you know, your leading learning online forum is just a wonderful resource in that regard as are any of these where you have groups of people who share a common interest who are working together. So that's an example of one of the tools.
1: Yeah, I think that is very powerful, and, and you and I have been in involved. I, I think, and we're probably referring to the same forum. Um, being able to connect with uh, other professionals, which has just been an incredibly powerful experience, and it is—it it stays there, and it's something you can go back to again and again. So that. That's you know I guess in in a nutshell very high level your CEO innovation community and for folks who are listening we will definitely you know provide links to this uh, in the show notes and maybe at the end Seth you can you know give us the quickest path to to get to that um, but we'll provide um, that information and in follow up to this uh, I want to switch gears a little bit though because you're not just launching one initiative right now you're launching two initiatives right now two two relatively major initiatives and and the second one is your visionary Leadership Academy, Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, how that's different and what your goals are for that as, as opposed to this CEO innovation community?
2: Yeah, we're getting a really positive response there. That was actually launched as a result of one of the CEOs, Chris McEntee at the AGU, Mm. uh, suggested that we needed to have a resource where rising stars, high potential senior managers, tomorrow's CEOs could go and learn what it is that they need in order to become visionary leaders. And so I kind of put my toe in the water and I've had an incredible response. Um, We have many people signing up for this. It's It's a group of people who will work together over the course of a year who are not Not yet CEOs, but see themselves as tomorrow's leaders. And uh, we're going to be providing a curriculum that will help them to understand things like change leadership, uh, strategy, innovation, uh, what it means to be a visionary, what what are the practical sides of that. Um, And so that's the Visionary Leadership Academy that's taking place. In fact, it starts later this month in February.
1: And this is, uh, as I gather, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, I mean, it's a much more sort of structured sort of learning experience than you're doing with the innovation community, which um, feels, you know, much more of an informal, uh, collaborative type of learning. How much does that sort of informal, collaborative uh, aspect uh, feed into the Visionary Leadership Academy? And how, do you, how are you going to balance kind of the structured part with the, with the less structured part?
2: Well, it's true that the sessions that we have will be structured around themes, and those themes um, are designed to launch us into conversations about how these and, – and, and plans about how these people can apply what they're learning to their home organization. Um, but it's also true that when you are a member of the Visionary Leadership Academy, you become a member of the larger innovation community, which means uh, that you have access to the CEOs who are participating in the innovation community. So uh, this, that's
1: excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said, you know, these are people who are, see themselves, you know, as being on the path to potentially being at that C-level, that CEO level someday, um, you know, and a lot of people might imagine themselves on that path. Um, who is the ideal candidate, though, in your mind? I mean, what, what characteristics, what sort of, you know, uh, behavior, experience has this person had in the past that you think makes them the, the perfect candidate to, to come into the Visionary Leadership Academy?
2: someone who's hungry uh for being a leader somebody who wants to build their network with other innovators somebody who wants to make major contributions to the organization uh and someone who's made a commitment to their own career growth Mm. so that really those are those are the biggest qualifications the people who are signing up for this are sophisticated leaders they many of them have been in the association space for quite some time they've risen to positions of prominence we have a chief operating officer of a really large organization uh we have uh senior vice president signing up. So people who really have this c- combined commitment to developing themselves professionally in the association world with a hunger for leadership and innovation.
1: That's great. And I think we would pro- probably apply just that exact same description to the types of people we think are good candidates for the leading learning uh, symposium in the fall. And I think it's no accident that we've already started to see some overlap between people who attend the symposium and people who have identified themselves, you know, as good candidates for uh, the Visionary Leadership uh, Academy. Yes. And w- one thing I, I wanted to ask you, because this is obviously, it's very much at the heart of what we do in, with leading learning. We talk about reach, revenue, and impact, um, and it's that impact question I'd like to ask you about, because, I mean, you're, you're trying to make change here. I mean, you're, you're trying to, you know, cultivate really, you know, a, a new community, a large community of, of, of leaders in the association sector. Um, from your perspective, and I'm sure this will change over time, but uh, I mean, how how are you going to know that you know real deep learning has happened, and that you've really had an impact with uh, with these two initiatives? Well,
2: we ha- we develop metrics. So um, we have to get really clear about what the goal is. So for example, with the nurses, it's to measurably improve the health of America's 3.4 million nurses. So we need to have a longitudinal connection to the nurses. That means there has to be a before and after. Mm. And we have to be able to measure improvement and say that as a result of people participating in our program, that they were able to increase their health in one of four areas. You know, we've identified nutrition, sleep, activity, and uh, basically uh, wellness, which is an area that. It encompasses things like meditation and personal joy and connection to your colleagues. Um, so we have, so that's so metrics are the key to this, and, and we're we're using models that have been tested, um, and uh, some of them are up on my website, grandchallenge.info. If you go there and you take a look at the UCLA presentation I made last week, the PowerPoint deck is up there, and you can see uh, two slides that show. One is a, a ten. Uh, t- uh, elements that you need to have in order to create a successful movement and this comes out of research that was quantitative conducted by Chris Economist. and the other is something called the socio-ecological model which shows the kind of intervention that's required that you need a systems intervention and it identifies the five areas that you have to have uh, activity in and this also comes out of research and it's a model that was adopted by the Centers for Disease Control and we're using both of these models very successfully.
1: Well, fantastic. Well, I, I'm definitely going to check those out my, myself, and I look forward to seeing the impact that you do have with us over, over time, because I know it will be significant. So we've been talking about the the CEO innovation community, and then and then right now the, the Visionary Leadership Academy. Again, we'll provide some links to these in the show notes. And as we're wrapping up here in a minute, uh, Seth, again, I'll ask you to, to give the most direct path to those. But, but before we do wrap up, um, we always like to ask... Uh, people who come on the podcast about you know their lifelong learning practices and I know you've had that question before because we've had you on the show before so you've told us about that but I thought it'd be good you know it's been several months um uh be good to catch up and say you know right now uh what are you doing with respect to your own learning what are you really you know excited about with respect to uh your own learning I'm sure developing these initiatives has got to be a big part of it but uh what what's in addition to that Yeah,
2: well, so the, um, you know, one aspect of my learning that is so wonderful about being involved with associations is learning about each of the domains that I'm involved in. So, for example, I'm working with the CMAA right now, which is an organization that's dedicated to the excellence in the construction management space. And I'm going to be interviewing about eight people over the next eight weeks in preparation for a a strategy session. And these eight people are really movers and shakers in the construction world, people all over the world, people in Saudi Arabia, people in India, people in New York. York, and these are people who are designing uh, cutting-edge buildings, who are implementing the, the construction management principles on a really grand scale, and they're truly futurist. People. So part of my education is just talking to, to my clients, and I and I love that. I love that about the association world. Um, the second thing is that I've become enamored in the last six weeks with the work of Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. Um, this is around uh, – their, their focus is around personal relationships. My relationship with my wife is extremely important to me. I mean, it's second only to my relationship with myself in terms of the value that that I place on it and the the importance that it. And so I really want to have a powerful relationship with my wife that's firing on all cylinders. And that's what attracted me to Gay and Kathleen Hendricks' work. And then I just started reading one book after the next. They've got about six books out there. Um, And I'm doing a lot of the exercises. Some of it I'm doing alone. Some of it I'm doing with my wife. But that's I'm really doing a lot of learning in that space right
1: now. That's interesting. I, I, and I always love talking with you the way that, uh, you know, you've, you've got that professional focus. Um, you were talking about CMAA. I, I definitely experienced the same thing in, in working with associations myself. But uh, but you've always got deep personal learning going on I- as well, which I think is, you know, so, so important um, and often gets, you know, put by the wayside as people get, uh, you know, absorbed by the, the day-to-day trivia that can, can take over our lives. Well, Seth, thanks again for you know, showing up on the, the Leading Learning Podcast, taking the time to, to talk about what you're up to, which is always incredibly interesting. Um, as we're dialing out here, can you tell listeners how they can you know, most quickly get to a place where they can learn about the, the CEO innovation community, if that's what they're interested in, or the Visionary Leadership Academy, or just your work in, in general?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I'll give you two URLs, and if, you, if you're interested and you want to apply for one of these and you put down a note that you listened to the podcast with Jeff Cobb, then we'll give you a $250 discount towards the tuition. Excellent. So it, the Visionary Leadership Academy, if you go to bit.ly.com, B-I-T-L-Y dot C-O-M, slash, capital V-L, lowercase, Academy. You'll go straight to the page where you can register and let us know that you're interested. If you're interested in the CEO community, again, it's bit.ly.com slash capital CEO, lowercase community, and you can find out more about that there.
1: Excellent. Well, good. I, I definitely encourage folks to, to take a look at that if you are serious about uh, leading learning uh, and, and leading your organization and the sector you're serving. Uh, Seth is uh, always one of the, the touchstones for how to do that as effectively as possible. So, Seth, thanks again for taking the time to be on the Leading Learning Podcast. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for having me.
0: That wraps up our interview with Seth Khan. As a reminder, we will be holding our annual Leading Learning Symposium in Baltimore, October 24th and 25th. Uh, if you are uh, someone who has financial and or strategic responsibility for the professional development, continuing education, um, business at your organization, we hope you'll consider joining us. You can find out more about the symposium at symposium.leadinglearning.com, and also, again, want to thank Web Courseworks, maker of the Course Stage LMS. Uh, they are a sponsor of the Leading Learning webinars and therefore a, a sponsor of this episode of the podcast. You can find out more about their products and services at www.webcourseworks.com. To get show
1: notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com, episode 23, and while you're there, uh, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of the podcast and have not subscribed already, we would be truly grateful if you would.
0: We'd also be grateful if you'd take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate it. If you can take a minute to do it, it makes a world of difference in helping others to find this podcast. And it, it makes us feel good to hear from you.
1: And finally, we're always grateful if you will tell others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet uh, simply by going to leadinglearning.com forward slash share, and that will automatically populate a tweet that you just have to click send on. Uh, If tweeting isn't your thing, you can take the same language that appears there and cut and paste it into Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever your social network of preference is.
0: Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.